here at the uh, Village Church, we strive to walk alongside of one another in the spirit of mutual brokenness because we know we all have issues and we all go, go through things in life. And my friends, uh, Rick and Susan, wanted me to express their thankfulness to you all for your prayers and the meals that you uh, brought them during their time of need. And so we are glad to have our friend back with us today, Susan Rush. So we're glad that you're here, Susan. And we continue to pray God's blessings over you and your family. If you have your Bible, please open it to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Many of you probably know that there is some unstableness in our country right now, even the world right now. This week, a well-known actor, comedian passed away. We all know about the the crisis in in Ferguson, Missouri. We've we've seen the news about that. You know, people are, are, are all over the place emotionally at this very hour. Some feel afflicted, some perplexed, some feel persecuted, some even feel struck down. What about you? No matter how much we progress as human beings, this world and this life will will always wake us up to my daydreaming. It will always wake us up. No matter how much we progress, no matter how much we think we have grown out of certain things as humans, reality does check in. We, always, we, all, we will always be awakened to the reality of our own mortality. No matter how much we progress as a people, we're not going to change that fact that our life will end at some point. No matter how much we progress as a people, we will always be woken, awakened to the reality that this world is a fallen, broken place. No matter how much we progress in society, those things will always be true. But yet, you can be afflicted in every way, but yet not crushed. You can be perplexed, but not driven to despair. You can even be persecuted, but not forsaken. You can be struck down, but not destroyed. You can suffer great loss and still press on. But how? How can you live in this world that way. To live in this world without being poisoned by the world requires you to have something that can overcome it. And John tells us what that is in in 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. This is God's word, not the opinion of Alex or the village church. This is the very word of God. And he says to you, Everyone who believes that, that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For his, sorry, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
who is, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God? Let us pray. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. A timeless truth, Lord, that we often forget. But I pray that today your spirit will let us remember it. I pray that your spirit will will help us to see Jesus in the midst of what we're going through. I pray that your spirit will help us to believe anew the gospel when all things around us seem to be falling apart that we will not forget that there is a God in this world in spite of what this world can do to us, in spite of what is happening. There is a truth that as believers we hold on to, that our Father is good in spite of the badness that we see. So, Spirit, we, we, we need you. God's people need you. The people in in Ferguson, Missouri need you. The people in Iraq need you. People in West Africa need you. Apart from you, Lord, all we'll do is play church. Apart from you, Spirit, all we'll do is go through the motions. Apart from you, Spirit, all we'll do is just live in our creature comforts. We need you to come into this place, into our hearts, into our lives, into our families, and draw us closer to the one who is and forever will be the Savior, and that is Jesus. And I pray that the words that are preached today will will be preached to my heart first, my heart first, because I need it too, that you will empower us to go back out into this world and to engage one more week, to fight one more week, to press on one more week. And we can't do it apart from you. So Holy Spirit, our counselor, our helper, we beg you to come in this place. In Christ's name I pray, amen. In order to overcome the world, you must have faith. Not just any faith, but the kind of faith that has the power to overcome the world. And so first, a faith that overcomes the world is one that believes. A faith that believes overcomes the world. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, says John. Notice that John doesn't say everyone who believes that Jesus is, is John doesn't say everyone who believes that Jesus the Christ is born of God. He said who has been born of God. What does that mean? He's referring to something that has already happened in the person's life. Not something that happened in the present. This is a new birth that he's talking about. The person who has been born of God is one whose heart has been brought to life by the Holy Spirit. No one surrenders to Jesus and that the Spirit of God changes that person's heart. And this is what theologians call regeneration. It happens before faith. 
Because after the Spirit changes your heart, then you surrender your heart to Jesus. Theologian John Stott says, Believing is the consequence, not the cause of the new birth. If you believe in Jesus, it's because something has happened inside of you that allowed you to go to him and call upon him. Something has changed in your heart. Everyone who believes is not talking about conversion. He's talking about how he, he, John is showing us how a person experiences new birth. Another author says, John's aim is to rather indicate the evidence that, that shows that a person stands in a continuing relationship with God. Showing you the evidence that shows that a person stands in a continuing relationship with God. And the evidence is your faith. A faith that looks a particular way. A faith that continues to believe in Jesus. It continues to believe it. Everyone who believes. The emphasis there is, is that you must continue to. Not just once. And then you move on with your life. Not just, hey, I'll believe in Jesus then. But I continue to believe in him. You continue to trust in him. A faith that overcomes the world is one that continues to believe in Jesus. Do you have that? This moves us far beyond just believing in facts about Jesus and stories about Jesus, but to actually surrendering to Jesus all your trust and all your dependency. A faith that overcomes the world continues to trust in Jesus, continues to rely on Jesus, continues to depend on Jesus. You would never outgrow faith in Christ alone. Never. You will wear those clothes until you die. You will wear that garment until you cross over to the other side. Faith will not be made sight until you go to glory. Until then, you wear faith, faith in Christ. Jesus is the content of our faith. He is. He is the source. And the source of a person's faith determines the quality of that faith. If the source is weak, the faith is weak. No matter how strong the convictions are. People have strong convictions about things. But what's the source of those convictions? You see, I can have a strong, passionate conviction that my Georgia Bulldogs are going to make me happy this season. And they're going to bring me everlasting fulfillment. But it's weak. Because, as we know, college football is good at entertainment, but they are awful saviors. They make very poor saviors. They're very poor gods. All of our football teams are. A weak source for faith. Not so with Jesus. He is strong. He's the cornerstone. He's the solid rock on which we stand. And John says in verses 4 and 5, everyone who has been born in God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? It's the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Faith in Christ alone is the only faith that overcomes. 
And your faith in him is your victory. Your victory. Your victory over this world is your faith in Christ. Have you ever thought about your faith that way? Do you approach it that way? Why is that true? Because of what Jesus has done through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension. Faith in the finished work of Christ is your final victory. Jesus in his farewell discourse to the disciples, he, he, he ends with these words. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have overcome the world. You will have suffering in this world. Disappointment, death, sickness, injustice. You will suffer, but be courageous. I have overcome the world. How did he overcome? Through his death. Through his death. You have a faith that overcomes the world because you have a Savior who did it for you. But do you believe it? Not here at this moment, but on Monday morning when you get back to your routine of life, is this true? When you get back to your normal, is this true? Will it be true? I asked a good friend of mine for some marriage advice a while back, and he told me, the secret is don't stop doing what you did before the kids came. Don't stop doing what you did before the kids came. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? He says, don't stop going on, don't stop going on dates when the kids come. Don't stop sitting on the couch together when the kids come. Don't stop having fun together when the kids come. And his point to me was, don't make your marriage all about the kids. I mean, the same is true when in your relationship with Christ. Don't let progress in our society fool you into thinking you're going to need less of Jesus in this society. Because look around. We've made great progress, haven't we? Racial progress, equality progress. Look, look around. We've, we've grown as a society. We can do things we couldn't do 50 years ago. There's progress. But guess what? People can't be progressed out of their sin. For all the things that we've done, for all the technology that we have, for how much we have progress, progress cannot deliver people from sin. They have to be redeemed from it. You can't progress people out of sin of sin of murder or sins of racism or pride or hate. They have to be redeemed out of them. And progress is not redemption. Redemption is only found in Jesus Christ alone. From what I have observed this week, there's a lot of places that need redemption. There's a lot of people who need redemption. It's a place up in Missouri that needs some redemption right now. Places in Africa, places over in Iraq, they're in need of some redemption. Not progress. Redemption. They're in need of Jesus. 
They're in need of the people who know Jesus to be on their knees praying for that redemption. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what changes in your life, for good or bad, don't stop resting in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, relying on Jesus, depending on Jesus. You will never outgrow your need of him. You won't outprogress your need of Jesus. I don't care how successful you may become. I don't care if we have flying cars in 60 years. You're still going to need Jesus. I don't care if they can find cures for every disease in the world. You're still going to need Jesus. This world's still going to need him. And whenever we see these type of things that are happening right now, it's a reminder that we're not as good as we think we are. It's a reminder that we are not our own Savior. It's a reminder that man is not the center of all things. It's a reminder that there is sin in the world. And there is only one person who can conquer sin, and his name is Jesus. And that will never change. Ever change. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're going to need that. So in your affliction, continue to stand on Jesus. In your persecution, continue to lean on Jesus. And your disappointments continue to run to Jesus. And your uncertainty and your confusion continue to trust Jesus. And when you see what is happening in this place called Ferguson, Missouri, continue to pray and believe that Jesus can bring healing and redemption to that crisis. He can do what governments can't do. And as his people, we've got to believe that. Hold on to that. A faith that overcomes the world is a faith that still depends on Jesus. Such a faith is a victory. Second, a faith that overcomes the world also obeys. A faith that obeys overcomes the world. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know, by this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not a burden. What do you mean by this, Alex? You see, obedience does not produce faith. Faith produces obedience through the work of the Holy Spirit. Please know that. You following all the rules will not produce faith. Your faith produces your obedience to God, all through the work of the Holy Spirit. It produced obedience to his commands. By this we know we love the children of God, that we love God and obey his commandments. Now these commandments, are they, are they talking about just rules? Is this what John is talking about? Do's and don'ts, you need to follow this rule, do that rule? No. I believe what he's talking about is, is something that he talked about in, in chapter 3 of this book. He says, and this is, and this is his commandment, that you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And you love one another 
just as he has commanded us. His language, the same language he uses right here in chapter 5. These commandments that he's talking about, it's the commandment of love. Loving God. Loving other people. John Stott says, it is as impossible to love the children of God without loving God as it is to love God without loving his people. Meaning, if you say you love Jesus, then you're going to love Jesus' people. You're going to love the people that Jesus loves. The question is, do you love them? Do you love them? Do you love them? A faith that continues to believe in Jesus also continues to love him and love the things that he loves, and that is his people. Loving God and loving people are, are obedience to God's commands. And so you want to know how you're doing as a believer, how is your loving? How are you doing when it comes to love, loving people? That's how you can tell. If you believe in the truth, if you believe in the gospel, how well do you love others? Particularly those who disagree with you. Particularly those who have different political views than you. How do you love them? How do you get along with them? Even those who think theologically different than you, do you love them? Or do you hate them? Because Jesus died for his people. And all his people don't have all the same things in common. If we did, life would be very boring. Who do you love? How do you love them? Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Whoever loves the Father loves whoever who has been born of him. A faith that obeys is a faith that expresses itself in love. And love. And John says, this is not a burden. And he means that, that it's not an oppressive taskmaster or, or a boot camp instructor. He's, not, he's saying this is not an a MA fighter. His commandments are not those things. They are meant for your well being. Jesus' words in Matthew 11, again, he says, Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. And basically what, 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 what John is getting at here is that God has given you a new desire as a believer. New desires as a believer. And those desires should be to follow in Jesus' footsteps as you live your life in a fallen and broken world. F.F. Bruce says, The new life in Christ imparted to the members of the family of God carries with it a new desire to do God's will and new power to effect that desire. Think about that. A new desire to do God's will, but he also gives you the power to live out that desire. We all know who the power is, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Everyone who's been born of God has a desire to love God and a desire to please God. A desire to have a faith that continues to trust in Jesus and depend on Jesus. A desire to have a faith that expresses itself in, in, in deeds of love and in truth. Everyone that believes 
that Jesus, the Son of God, has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves everyone who's been born of him. A faith that obeys finds delight and pleasure in God's word. Because your desires have changed. Your desire toward God's word has changed. You, you have a greater desire for the things of God in your life. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Do you find delight in this book? Or is it just something that hangs on your bookshelf? Or is it just words on a page? Is it delight to you? Psalm 140 says, I delight to do your will, my God. Your law is in my heart. Do you delight to do God's will? Is it part of who you, your walk? Is it part of your faith? You see, if, if, if you could re-reverse engineer, that's a for you engineer type, if you could reverse engineer the heart of a believer, then it, sh- and then there, it should be a desire there for the things of God, despite, despite its weaknesses. There should be some desire there for the things of God in the heart of a believer. It should be. It should be a desire to live a life that pleases God. And what does that look like? Paul shows us what it looks like. He says in, in Galatians, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, only faith working through love. That's a life that pleases the Father. Your faith working itself out through love. You know, faith working itself out through love it's not dead, passive, but it's active. It's alive. Faith working through love is not a couch potato faith that has settled in and grown fat and happy and content with just reading books and listening to sermons and reading blogs and doing the Bible studies. It gets up off the couch and begins to express itself in deeds of love. Love that is grounded in God's truth. Please know that. Your expressions of love must be grounded in God's truth. Not in social media. Not in politics. God's word. Must ground the way in which you love other people. You must be anchored in God's truth. So are you expressing this type of love toward your family? Don't even get outside your your house yet. Do you express this love to your family, to your parents, to your siblings, to your spouses, to your kids? Do you? Are we standing up for the least of these? Are we willing to have loving and, and honest conversations about race and justice in this country? Honest conversations about these things. I believe our church can, can be a beacon of light when it comes to issues of race because of what we're trying to do. We can be a beacon of light when it comes to, to, to bringing together people from different walks of life because of what we're trying to do here. We can be a beacon of light when Republicans and Democrats can actually go to church together and like each other because of what we're trying to do here. Why is that? 
because the one who unites us has to be greater than the issues that divide us. The one who unites us is greater than the many issues that can easily divide us. He's greater. Of all the issues we fight for, none of those issues die for you. Those issues don't give you anything. Jesus died for us. And if he and what he's done for me can't bring us together, people, there's nothing else that's going to do it. You think progress is going to do it? Progress hides the reality that people are still divided. Only the gospel, only Christ can bring true healing, can bring true reconciliation. And as his people, our little church can be salt and light for that. How do we do that? By loving one another. By loving one another. Across racial lines, across political lines, social economical lines, loving one another like that. The love of Christ must compel us to do it. Love doesn't mean you never have arguments with each other. You will. Let's be real about it. It doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to ever get upset with one another. Let's be real. You will get upset with one another. I'm going to get on your nerves sometimes. You're going to get on my nerves sometimes. I mean, we're all sinners here, right? Let's just be real and honest about it. What happens in church? What happens in families? We, all, we don't get along sometimes. But we don't break fellowship. We deal with it. We deal with it. In humility. It doesn't mean you're going to always agree about every situation or everything that happens. Love speaks of a relationship. Relationship. That must exist. An affection that you have toward one another. That's what love speaks to. Do you have an affection for the people that you go to church with in this church? Look around you. Look around. Look around. Look at the people next to you, behind you. If all that person is going to be to you is someone you go to church with, when issues go down, you will break fellowship over that person easily. You have to have a relationship, a love, for one another. Jesus says, by your love for one another, the world will know what? You are my disciples. You are my disciples. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are united in Jesus. And at this church, Jesus will always be at the center. He will always be our focal point. It won't be one culture. It won't be anything but Jesus. And if Jesus continues to be at the cornerstone, if Jesus continues to be at the center, we will continue to walk hand in hand in a spirit of mutual brokenness. We will be salt and light for the world around us, a beacon of light. That even though the world is broken and fallen, people can still worship together who are very different because we are united by someone who is greater than all our differences. And that's Christ. We'll always be him. And so my prayer 
for our church and my prayer for our country and the world is that the church of God will begin to change the narrative and actually love one another in spirit and truth. Let us pray. Father God, I, I pray your blessings over our little church here in the village. That our unity, our love will be genuine. That we will be a place where people from all walks of life can come and worship. And when they come, they can be part of the community. They will come and, and all of us can sit at the foot of the cross knowing that we all got issues, we all are messy, we all are broken, but we all need the same Savior for the same healing. And Lord, none of these things can happen apart from your Spirit, and I pray for the outpouring of your Spirit in our hearts and our church. I pray the outpouring of your Spirit over in Ferguson, Missouri today, that people would know that there is a God. And I pray blessings for the churches, that you give them wisdom, the body of Christ in that community, you would give them wisdom and humility. I pray for the suffering believers in the world, Lord, who don't have the privilege that we have, the persecuted church, who, are, who, who would die to do what we're doing. I pray you give them strength, perseverance, protection, Father. And I pray for the disease over in, over in West Africa, Lord, that you would provide hope, that you would provide healing. We don't live in isolation from the rest of the world, Lord. And I pray that the prayers are being lifted up against evil, against injustice. Pray for our leaders that you give them wisdom to lead well. And I pray, Lord, for my friends here. As we all go about and engage one more week, that we'll leave here a little more encouraged, leave here a little more empowered to go back out into this world, and to be salt and light for Christ. And I pray that your spirit will equip us to do that. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.